0: And I can't explain the feeling that I got, but I literally jumped out of my skin, turned around, was about to, like, prepare myself for whatever was impending. And then I had to rewind the track to realize that it was in the track itself.
1: You had eight dogs at your house? Yeah,
0: well, seven. Yeah, seven are mine, and then one is staying here. He's going home tomorrow, and then, uh, yeah. So I'll have the seven for a few days, and then when somebody else needs me, I'll make room for them. But nice. <laughs> yeah. how, how do
1: they all get along? Do they have any issues?
0: Yeah, definitely. So only <laughs> only a few of them are coexisting. The rest are uh, they stay uh, they they keep to themselves.
1: Yeah. yeah but uh, but it's
0: just a process, but either way, everyone's like happy and comfortable and safe is the main thing but yeah uh, you but yeah figure it out We figure it out um
1: before we get started, I just want to let you guys know I don't know if I told you but I bought a bidet
0: for oh. my bathroom
1: oh. and let yeah, me I'm tell right. you something it, it it was a tushy okay and okay. i I set that shit up probably like a <laughs> month ago and let me tell you man have knowing that you have a clean asshole there's really not a better feeling. Like, honestly, mm-hmm. go up shit. And
2: get up and not wipe or something. What do you mean? <laughs>
1: Dude, I'm just saying, like, just to know that it's really, you know, taken care of down there. I, mm-hmm. I enjoy and I don't look down on y'all for like having gross assholes, but mm. I just want to say that I'm not part of that gang. Now, now wait, anymore. because wiping
0: with wipes is a upgrade. I have to say, because oh. I'm oh, a wipe okay. guy, so I'll use some some butt wipes, right? Some dude wipes. But the bidet, you, I think you just sold me on the bidet. I've just <laughs> never bought one, but I've always it, thought about it.
1: It was cheap. It was easy to install, dude. It's it's worth the investment for sure. Yeah. For sure. And then um, when, when you
2: shit in public and you have to go in public, then you're fucking slumming it.
0: Then you got yes. like a trash can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, bring your own, you, just, you gotta bring your own water bottle with like a, uh, a little faucet
1: on the top. <laughs>
0: just sit on that. Fuck no. <laughs> get get uh, Hello Tissue as your first sponsor on here. I think uh, goes without saying, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, All right,
1: ladies and gentlemen, welcome or welcome back to Totally Biased Music. We're your hosts, Blake and Christian. And today, we have a very special guest returning to the show, actually. I think this is our first guest to return to the show. Most of our guests do one episode with us, realize what this is, and then don't contact us again. So it it is nice to have Anthony back on the podcast with us. Anthony, thanks for joining. Uh, We're super stoked, obviously. Big music guy um thanks for coming back what made you want to come back we didn't draw we didn't push you away the first time
0: well so i have a, a hidden agenda every time i call him on this show and <laughs> the agenda is to educate blake on his music yes. taste so i'm hoping this is like two for two albums that he's never heard before hopefully uh but no man i love you guys and any chance to talk music and uh kick it is i'm in so
1: thanks yeah. for that a hundred percent um so with that Um, You picked Fear Inoculum by Tool. So brief intro. It says, whether or not this album is the, quote, grand finale swan song and epilogue that Maynard James Keenan alludes to in Descending, the first thing to say is that Fear Inoculum will not disappoint. On their longest ever album, despite only containing seven songs broken up by three brief ambient interludes, Tool refines and expands on their greatest strengths to create a meditative, intensely complex album that may, in terms of sheer musical skill, be their most impressive yet. So that being said, why did you pick this album? How long have you been listening to Tool? What do you have to say about it? Do you agree with that? Let's just hear it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I'm just going to get ahead of this and say I'm not fluent in Tool, but I strive to be. Tool is like a band that growing up people would talk about. Christian talked about it because his dad listened to it, and we'll get there, I'm sure. But um, the idea – was this album came out in a time that I was very aware of Tool. So it was like my first kind of experience into their world in a way that uh, I could share with a lot of other people who had never heard this album because it was the first time, you know, we all could listen to it. Um, So it was kind of my first real introduction to them. Very, uh, like I said, I had heard of them, but just never dove into their music and was kind of waiting for a time like this to happen. And I don't know the exact timeline, but I want to say maybe like 12 years between albums this one and another one don't don't quote me on that but uh so huge appreciator of their music and i'm constantly learning i think every time i listen to them um their tendencies and all so yeah so this was kind of a, a good intro for me to tool and maybe for some other people as well
1: nice christian what about you
2: Oof, i don't even know where to begin with fucking tool um It's one of those bands that I think from the onset of me listening to music in any form have always been there because my dad was just absolutely obsessed. I remember um, like even back in elementary school because I think what Undertow was I think 93 or something like that when it dropped and that was what he used to fucking blast all the time. And from the second I heard – so there's a song on Undertow called Bottom that still to this day is probably one of my fucking top ten songs. Uh, After listening to Fear Inoculum, I was going back and just listening to all the older shit, was listening to this – to that album, to Undertow. And when I was in middle school, I was in my fucking kind of preppy you know, high school baseball – or middle school baseball phase, and my dad takes me to see Tool – I think it was at the Pelham Amphitheater, and fucking Maynard comes out, and just like culture shock mm-hmm. for me, it was one of those moments that, I, probably the most pivotal moment in my music growth, as far as like where I am now and where I was then. Like walking into that scene, as far as like culture shock for me was like, what the fuck have I been missing out <laughs> on?
1: Like, oh, there's yeah, music like, like right. this. Oh, it's another world.
2: It was a complete other world, just all these people, like hardcore, and I was probably in like a fucking pink button down or something with, with like the Hoover swoop going on. But it comes out and he plays the whole set with his back to the crowd. And I was like left just just mind blown. Right. And so Tool has always kind of had that spot for me. It was listening to them forever and then, you know, with Lateralis coming out. It was just like something that we always mm. had in rotation. But the big release for me was uh, that 10,000 Days because I remember going to buy the CD with my dad, and it was that one that Alex Gray and his wife had created the, the whole like album packaging that had these glasses that were attached to the CD that folded out so every page that you flip through of this album – were these like 3D psychedelic projections and it was just every single part mm-hmm. of tool was were these like little growth moments of like oh there's some fucking wild shit out there and what they d- were doing with their music was just like mind boggling to me and so when fear Inoculum came out it was this extremely just like highly anticipated for me because you're like where you know where could they possibly fucking push their sound from right. from what they already have been doing and I will tell you the truth, like when I first listened to it, I wasn't sure how to feel because I was yeah. expecting, I guess, like more push on sound and it really took a couple of listens for me and we can get into a little later, but to where I really started to love this album. So yeah. that's kind of my, my tool background. It's, pr- it's pretty extensive, you know, yeah. not to flex nice. on them or anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm the complete opposite, which is shocking to me because you know, I know Christian knows this, but like I love this type of music. Like this is just right. what I enjoy and this heavy this heavy type of music is what drew me to so many artists that I listen to now, people like Bass Nectar, people like Metallica, Nirvana. Like that sound that heavy, almost violent sound at times, but still to a point where like it's it's still beautiful and creative. I, I'm really drawn to music like that. And so when Fear and Oculum was coming out I remember people, you know, being really excited for it and talking about Tool and talking about a new album. And I was like, I don't, who the fuck are these people? (laughs) I I didn't know anything about Tool. And when Fear Inoculum came out, like, I remember instantly just, like, straight from the intro track, self-titled Fear Inoculum, I remember being like, all right, this is something I'm going to fucking enjoy. And I, you know, I periodically, Come back to this album. I'll get into a particular song that I listen to on rotation uh, later. But yeah, it's. I mean, it's been phenomenal. I've gone back and listened to Ten Thousand Days. I, I rinsed after Fear inoculum I rinsed the entire their whole discography. Fuck yeah! And then Fuck. I saw them at Bonnaroo. This was twenty twenty two, um, and I'll be honest. Like it was Saturday. And I was fucking drained when I saw them. And nobody was with me except for Shania at the time. Nobody wanted to see Tool. So we were there and like, it was an amazing show. And like, I really enjoyed it, but I was so like physically drained at that point that it was kind of like, I want, they're coming here to Denver in February. And I really want to go to the show to like, just go and be sober at it and be rested and like be able to like take it all in and enjoy it because the Bonnero show is great, but like, just physically i was i was worn out but it was it was still really enjoyable and so yeah i mean great band i hate that i was put on to him so late and it's shocking to me that i was put on to him so late i don't know how i didn't catch them like on the radar before fear inoculum i mean granted like you said it was 13 years in between Ten Thousand days in this album but yeah ever since the first listen i've i've really enjoyed it so it's kind of my background with it and you know like tool
0: to me from the outside looking in, I say that as like a person interested in tool, but not like diehard savant into tool. uh, It can be intimidating, you know, like just a whole nother band, a whole nother world. And I'm very much like when it comes to music discovery, if it happens organically, that's one thing. But like, when you see people who are hyper passionate about something like tool fans are, it can, I mean, it was intimidating for me, you know? So like, I wanted to kind of organically, Get into Tool in a way that made sense to me, and for me, it was this album. And yeah, doing the same thing, going backwards into their music, it's like a time portal, but it's so powerful, you know. And uh, the thing, I like think the it's words
2: that even for people that like, even for me, like going back through, it, it, I still go back through and I find shit, and I'm like, whether it be you know vocal lyrics something that i pick you know i'm picking something new out and i'm like how the fuck have i never you know picked up on this or some like sound that i'd never heard before and it is like extremely intimidating because it's just like it's so in depth from their references to their musical inspiration to where they are have kind of come from it it's just so much history within it yeah
1: yeah, and I don't know if you guys do this thing, but I do this thing, which is, it probably works to my advantage sometimes, and other times it doesn't. But when I discover an artist I like, like if I listen to a song that I like, or I listen to an album that I like, I I fucking burn myself out and listen to everything. <laughs> like start, like I listen to like there is a resurgence from the rapper gunna recently like on twitter people have been talking about gunna and i was traveling i I don't remember where i was going to and coming from but i listened to one song and i enjoyed it i downloaded this motherfucker's entire discography (laughs) and listened to it on the plane ride home like every album like and i just because i'm like there's gonna be something else in here that i enjoy like i know that if i if i am pulled into this one song there'll be something else and with tool, that's hard to do because they're fucking fourteen minute songs. It's journeys, <laughs> like you know, journeys amongst rock journeys. music. Yeah, exactly. But it's like it's still fun to kind of have that experience. So it was nice. Exactly. Um, so let's get into let's get into top tracks, Anthony. What do you got?
0: Okay, so like I said, I, I fucking love this album and d- listened to it again last night, just walking the dog, and uh, you just get lost in in it right and i think something to mention too before i even mention the top tracks is something of how this album was like debuted so you can go on youtube and just search fear inoculum burning man and you're gonna find these clips of alex gray and his wife and this i mean huge uh, massive people on this giant you know floats that are at burning man and that was the debut of this album was them just blasting it on these massive like arc like structures that they were on so just and you don't even have to imagine you can see just thousands of people soaking it in for the first time and just getting lost in it you know tool is such a like primal band to me that it is such a it is a physical like cathartic experience to listen to them and then to listen to them live like that uh is a whole nother thing but the songs that I picked, like I said, it's hard because I like all of the album. But the top track I have is "Numa." Uh, Numa is just such a heavy riff that just keeps coming at you over and over, and um, and it continues to build too. Tool is the the way that they make music it, on first listens for me doesn't make sense, but after re-listens and kind of getting lost in this trance that keeps kind of bringing you back and pulsating over and over it starts to make sense to me. So that's why NUMA, I have it. Number one, number two is descending. Uh, descending is a fucking, it's one of those journey tracks that keeps bringing you down, but it's just, there's like these undertones that keep just, I mean, it's hard to express, you know, but it's a physical sensation that I feel when listening to it. So I have descending as number two. Number three is a track, uh, called culling voices. And this one is just dark. This one, this is the one where the vocals resonate with me way after listening to it. I I used to have this term, and I I still use it every now and then at shows that uh, that makes sense to me. I call it musical residue. So, like, you go see a show live, and you leave the show, and you're not listening to music, but there's music on a loop in your head after the fact. (laughs) So, um, the the vocals of um, Maynard just basically repeating, uh, don't you dare point that at me. Just oh yeah, yeah. hits me so hard because <laughs> the way he builds it in that track and then just becomes like a calling card, like just, it's so physical. Um, that, that lasts with me. I mean, way after the fact. So I got Numa descending and calling voices as my top three tracks. Yeah. Nice. Christian. Uh,
1: so Anthony
2: we're we're, we're on the same page here Numa is my number one the breakdown on that the build through it the breakdown at the fucking end is is absolutely insane and then the we are spirit bound to this flesh this guise this mask just fucking ripped (laughs) right through you it's so good Um, the self-titled the intro track uh, Fear Inoculum it sets the creative tone and with that the like where they've kind of expanded upon their sound in a refining way, if that makes sense. It shows like, hey, we're, we're experimenting with this stuff still, but this is how far we have kind of come. And there's something about uh, – th- there's these lyrics that are kind of continuously repeated through that, exhale, expel, or expel. Uh-huh. And it's like this um, – it's almost like the sense of meditation for me, like inhale, good, ex- exhale, bad, you know, as yeah, you're it's meditating. Like a mantra,
0: right?
2: And that's like what it kind of reminded me of. The funny thing is like when I first started going through this, I could not stand these little like um, interlude type tracks. But there's one that's actually probably like my third and it's that uh, the Litany Contra Le Pure. And it's because it's the Litany Against Fear, which is actually a reference from Dune that mm. ben recite to calm themselves in moments of fear. So that's like what that whole thing is Interesting. From.
1: I did not know yeah. that. That's crazy. So
2: it's, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain.
1: <laughs> it's wow. fucking badass so,
2: that's a line from Fuck, dune that's the litany against fear that's what like okay. Ben Jesuit so Paul atreides like mothers of Ben Jesuit who's trained him in their their training and through the book throughout the book and they do it a couple times in the movie but they, they you'll see them like reciting this this litany against fear and that's oh, what yeah. that's from
0: it's oh, fucking yeah. sick yeah.
2: That is so sick. that's my third but I, I gotta throw that that descending into calling voices it's like those two paired together it, it's just it's fucking phenomenal for the same reasons that he, he was bringing up
1: nice um man i'm i'm really shocked i differ from you guys a lot here so i'm a little worried <laughs> i'm a little worried about your bottom tracks i'm not part. i'm not gonna lie so I'll start from 3 and I'll work my way work my way down. So um number 3 descending, kind of for the same reason, like the same points that you guys hit on right descending. This is this is my thing with descending though. I have to say this. I listened to this song 3 times today to determine if I liked it or not because <laughs> I couldn't figure out if I fucking liked it. Like it was because it's kind of all over the place. Like you said Anthony, it's yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. it is very much a journey and there are times where like they're doing the tool thing that I love and it's getting heavy and I'm getting into it and then it dies. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? (laughs) So It was like, but I think I like, I like the sense that they have the ability to do that within one song. I mean, granted it's fucking 14 minutes long. So it's, it's kind of easy to make that journey happen with that much time. But I, I do enjoy it. Um, Number two, surprise that you guys didn't bring this up, but invincible dude yeah. the the guitar and drum combo that they have starting at like three minutes and 30 seconds it's kind of just repeating like da-na-na, 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 and the drums are just yeah, fucking, yeah. Boo-do-boo,
0: boo-do-boo, boo-do. yeah. it's just
1: like it's so like quintessential tool to me and it's just like the the grungy like grungy metal guitar sounds that they have mixed with the way that they they pair the drums. Like, you know, their drummer is so fucking good. And it's just really highlighted and invincible. And then my number one song, my favorite, thus far, my favorite Tool song is fucking Tempest. I love Tempest. (laughs) Even when I wasn't listening to Fear Inoculum, like on repeat, I would go back and listen to Tempest just probably once twice, three times a week, like driving to work or whatever, and if that's that song is a journey song too, man, it takes you all fucking over the place and I, I, do, I love the lyrics, I love the intro, like it's three minutes into the song before they even say a word and just the way that it starts, that slow guitar melody building into just a fucking hurricane of music is so, so good to me. I will say, I do have to tell this story though, <laughs> Back when I many years ago, when I was still dabbling with the weed, um, I was on an airplane and I took an edible, which don't ever do if you're not a weed smoker. <laughs> and i I took an edible and i was I was pretty high, and I turned on tempest and it fucking scared me, so I had to turn it off. and I had to like switch <laughs> to a podcast because I thought I was gonna have a panic attack on the airplane. <laughs> So I don't know. I had to be in the right state of mind to listen to it, but it's still like I love it. It's it's one of the, my one of my favorite songs. So he just
2: ends up like standing in a trash can, like <laughs> he's locked himself in the bathroom just like Frank on. when he yeah like yeah. frank when he took that lsd at the tailgate he just in the trash can and shit his pants i
1: i had to switch i had to switch to a podcast to bring me back down to earth i was like i gotta get i'm on another level i shouldn't be on right now
0: somebody somebody just sees blake like very violently take off his headphones and just kind of look around to see who's all looking at him and everyone's just staring at him like are you okay but did anybody else hear that next song (laughs) (laughs) talking to yourself for 10 minutes yeah um Uh,
1: so yeah that's that's my top three so now i'm a little interested and a little worried to hear what your bottom tracks are so anthony what do you got
0: okay well before i go into bottom tracks uh there's something that's interesting because well first off i I, there's a podcast i guess we're kind of segueing from podcast to podcast (laughs) too with like james uh james maynard Keenan talking or Maynard it's Maynard Keenan, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maynard James Keenan. I get those Mm -hmm. mixed up. Anyway, um, he's talking about the creation of the album and, and there he's explaining the process. And he said that he doesn't even, when he's writing lyrics, it is like the last part of the puzzle. Uh, All the musicians are sending tracks back and forth and kind of, you know, coming up with this, you know, canvas. And then he, has lyrics that go with the music, which is a very interesting process because this music inspires everything that they do. It it it, it inspires the Grays to make their artwork too, so the album artwork is all influenced by the music as well. But the title track is very interesting, and I didn't realize this till uh, last week upon listening and then reading lyrics while I was listening too. So, Fear Inoculum, the title track the album came out before the pandemic but there are some lyrics in that track that are so like ironic and haunting and weird because like he repeats fear the breath often right and if yeah. you think about the pandemic there's all everyone was fearing each other's breaths which is just crazy uh there's a lot of
1: they knew term
0: they I mean, knew. there's in- inoculation, <laughs> there is delusion from mania, uh, my own mitosis. There's all these just weird uh, just synchronicities between the pandemic and this album. And it happened right beforehand. So I just found that really uh, wild poison immunity. These words are just repeated at nauseum throughout that track that are just. It was it was tripping me out, but damn, y'all about that. Yeah. We're about, we're about to have SWAT call it on. We're just gonna get our doors <laughs> just, down. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, what, fucking, what do you know? They they cracked the code. <laughs> yeah, tool is literally controlling <laughs> everything. No. Uh, okay, so bottom tracks, dude. I did not pick any bottom tracks, but I All did right, have Trey. a moment. No, Come no, no. On. I'm, gonna, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Blake, you're going to regret those words, especially after your top track, because this is what happened to me last night. So I'm walking Molly, listening to the album in full dark late at night. I'm stoned and Tempest comes on and I like the track, but I hadn't listened to it in that context before out at night in dark walking the dog. And there was a moment in the track that I literally, there's a sound and I don't know if it's an actual sample, or if it's a thing that they're making with their instruments, but it sounds like a dog is chasing, like getting closer. Like there's just a, like, a two second moment where it sounds like a dog is attacking and encroaching. And I can't explain the feeling that I got, but I literally jumped out of my skin, turned around was about to like prepare myself for whatever was impending. And then I had to rewind the track to realize that it was in the track itself. And for that one moment, that's why, uh, what is it uh, tempest is my bottom track so only one bottom track. oh and it's tempest. my
1: god but it, it's dude. only
0: because i could do without that sample and it almost made me shit my pants out on the See, road. it
1: scared <laughs> you too now you know what yeah, i would throw did on the airplane exactly yeah no
0: I, I get it i get it man
1: but it's it didn't fair. it
0: didn't affect your uh, top track though true true all right christian yeah, I've got
2: uh, I've got Tempest on there, uh, and, and it's not what like what like,
0: is going on, <laughs> man.
2: These aren't like real, real, these aren't real bottoms for me. But it was mainly just like I didn't feel as much like progression from them in that. It felt very, like you said, quintessential tool. And if it's like I am nitpicking here. Where I'm wanting right. to hear some like different things it was it's great if you look at it in the consideration of like top t- tool tracks people are probably all gonna put it up there but as far as the evolution of their sound it didn't quite do it for me the only other one I'd probably put is the mocking beat just because I, I will. With that being like the last track, it, it just I wanted more from a last track on this, but but that's really it, you know. I think those are the only real two I could put up there, you know, for nitpicking. I'd maybe throw chocolate chip trick trip in there, but yeah, you know, I yeah, think that's, like,
0: that's all I got with an album as heavy as this is, like. There needs to be breaks. There needs to be reprise because like, shit, you can only take so much because it is so like demanding of you, I feel. And that's where Uh, I was
2: at first on this was like my first listen through when it dropped. I was like, oh, like these little interludes. But you don't I think it's from that first listen. You're like, just throw it in my face. (laughs) I want everything. Go, go, go. But when you listen to it a couple of times, you're like, oh. Right, like, we need this here. <laughs>
0: right, yeah, it's necessary. Which is, yeah. uh, uh, oh shit, I gotta mention this because this is crazy that we. I just said that, but there's a song from Tool. It's called "Disgustipated," and yeah. it is insane. It's crazy. There's a line in that track that says, "This is necessary," and it repeats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Repeats, in college, repeats. all right. So in college, I was, uh, I was rushing. Um, I was pledging Lambda Chi at Alabama, and uh, shit, they might – who knows? Fuck it. Uh, So we had to spend the night in a room there, and we listened to Disgustipated by Tool on a loop for six hours. And that song, when you listen to it for six hours, it starts to take you down some crazy (laughs) rabbit holes because you know, Maynard's talking about your color is green now. And you have to listen to why your color I mean, it's just insane. But that experience, that may have made me, made me put Tool on pause for a while. So about a,
1: <laughs> uh, a, a
0: nine-year hiatus from Tool just because of that six-hour experience. But when you're in a fraternity, my whole reason for joining a fraternity was trying to learn shit. So I thought there was a reason behind it. So I'm, <laughs> like, really paying attention to this track. But, like, it's just fucking a tactic but either way that was a wild <laughs> yeah. experience so i had to mention that as well so <laughs> anthony learned wild.
1: anthony learned that most guys in a fraternity aren't, aren't as deep within their mind as he is he's like <laughs> he's trying to find like some ulterior like motive behind this yeah. it's like now we're just trying to be annoying like that's they it just they got the mentioned. reaction they wanted to, they <laughs> uh, yeah. their
0: balls deep wondering what's going the fuck yeah, on. i'm taking notes i'm watching who's going where uh it was it was an experience so
1: um. All right like Alright, so bottom tracks for me, like, I know this is a cop-out, so I picked one actual song, but, like, all the interlude tracks to me, sorry, Christian, yeah. even Litany, what is it, Litany Contra La Le- Pure, is that how you say it?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I just don't, I don't like any of them. Like, they just take me out of the album, and, like, I get it, you know, it's it's a Tool vibe, it's weird, it's 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 a transition thing, like, they're kind of bre- trying to break up the, the album, but, like i don't know they just pulled me out of it and then um chocolate chip trip i fucking do not like this song i don't know what the, i i don't know what they were trying to do i don't know what angle or direction they were taking but like it it's too much there's too much going on it gets it gets electronic but not in like a good electronic way like how they use it in in other parts of this album. Like. I just don't enjoy the song and I try, I I love the name of it too. I wanted to like uh, it so you bad. Want it to be good. <laughs> I wanted yeah, yeah. to be good. Like it makes me think of mushroom chocolates, you know, which I'm very fond mm-hmm. of, but like yeah. I just couldn't I can't get into it. So I I don't know, not my thing. That's that's my two cents on my, my fresh enough. take Fair on enough. that song. That um, that track uh I got to
0: I saw him in Birmingham when they played their tour after this album and that track specifically they did play live which i had to look back at the set list and see what i actually got to witness not a lot was that but that track, yeah, seemed like a moment for I think the drummer's name is Danny Carey to just like fucking go off, you know. Like they did the you know their analog synth to kind of like build it up, but then just gave him an opportunity to go off. So it might I look at it as a showcase for him with some trippy samples thrown in. But, yeah, yeah, um, I agree. I agree with that interpretation too.
1: That's fair. And there you know, fucking
2: bonkers, by the way. Just him <laughs> as a drummer. Yeah. Uh, him on Ten Thousand Days, with some of those like steel drum pieces, were so, like some of those tracks were just like some of the most fucking. Where me and my dad, he'd be like fucking. He'd make me sit down, and be like, "Listen to these fucking
0: drums." And I'm like, "Shut <laughs> the fuck up, Clay." Fuck yeah, fuck
1: dude. Yeah. He, I mean, the guy can fucking rip a drum set, dude. I mean, he's oh, out Jesus. of this fucking world. It's crazy. It's insane. It's yeah. insane. Um. Okay, so real quick, I just want to um bring up some stuff about the album. So released August 30th, 2019. Um, It's the band's first album in 13 years, which we talked about. They said due to creative, personal legal issues, band members encountered since the release of 10,000 days, um, it was released to critical acclaim with reviewers generally agreeing that the band had successfully refined their established sound. The album topped the U S billboard 200 chart, their third album in a row to do so selling 270,000 album equivalent units in the first week. The album topped five other national album charts in its opening week as well. Two songs off it received Grammy nominations, Fear Inoculum, and Tempest. Um, Interesting. Yep. And the title track (laughs) also holds the Guinness World Record for the longest song ever to chart on the Billboard Hot 100. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, So obviously, like... I you know Tempest
2: won. Tempest won that Grammy for best metal performance.
1: Fuck yeah! Nice. Dude, I did not hear
0: what I heard. No, just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, it's because I didn't listen to it high. That's why. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are they doing? Um. So yeah, obviously, like I mean, bands like this that have a huge following. You know, when they take a long time off, I think it's bound to do numbers upon its release. But I thought two hundred seventy thousand album co- like that's. You know, that's a shit ton of fucking album sales for the first week for like a, an alt prog metal band. So I thought that right. was interesting. Um, so this this is going to this upset me. It'll probably upset you guys. Uh, Pitchfork, our, our lovely friends of Pitchfork, <laughs> gave it a five point four out of ten. Wow. And Rolling Stone gave it a three and a half out of five, which wow. fun fact is Rolling Stone's highest rating for a tool album. So they think it is the best tool album so what do you guys think about that and then we can get into your ratings do you uh do you think this is just uh you know major publications not understanding what what we're understanding and hearing what we're hearing or you you think it's an honest review
0: yeah i think I, i i never give credit to pop culture's interpretation of of legit music i feel um so that just, it just seems very insulting for a band like this that is, I mean, proven themselves, but also, I mean, they don't need that, you know, like they have enough support, I think from their fan base for sure. And they continue to deliver, you know, I can't imagine from an artist standpoint, you know, I think I just looked at 13 years between albums and like you have that much time and you're very active and present. Um. To put out a new album has to be, you know, the pressure has to be pretty, you know, impressive. But to do it and deliver like they did, I mean, that deserves all the credit in the world. But a three out of t- out of ten or out of five.
1: So Rolling Stone three and a half out of five, and then oh, Pitchfork okay. five and a half out of ten.
0: Okay, so, so three and a half out of five sounds better than what I thought they. I thought it was three <laughs> out of ten. I was like, Jesus Christ.
2: But um, but yeah, so.
0: I
1: think, dude, for them,
2: it, I think for them, it, like, I think it makes sense. I, I don't think Tool, like, would ever concern themselves. I think right. seeing that, you know, these publications, like, it, I think it makes sense for who Tool is. And they, they just are very much one of those, those artists that you are either, like, all in and really, really get it, or, or you're just not. And, you know... For, for a pitchforker, for a Rolling Stone, like that that makes so much fucking sense to me. So I'm not surprised by that at all. As far as like my personal ranking, um, I won't go into like my ranking on this, but as far as for their albums, it's probably like... It's definitely not in the top three for me. Really? I would have Lateralis, 10,000 Days, Undertow, or, or in my top three. I'd probably put this like four, but it's because my regard for those albums is so high. It's not like putting this one down anyways, because my my rating (laughs) for this is going to be pretty high alone. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's fair, and I'm sure Anthony will love this analogy. It's kind of like when I rank Kanye West albums. It's like I can put a Kanye West album at the bottom, but like a bottom Kanye West album is still better than the majority of albums ever put out on the face of the earth. So that's just how that is, you know. Wow,
0: couldn't go. Last time I was on this podcast, right? I mentioned Kanye, and everyone's like, "We do not speak his name." and Now Blake Blake, uh, singing his praises over there.
1: Um,
0: This is a very short.
2: Exactly. Like around that everyone can listen only, back <laughs>
1: yeah. i can only stay away for so long right. um yeah right. i mean i agree with you guys like bands like this like christian said you're either all in on them or you're not and you can't we we make fun of rolling stone and pitchfork plenty their album reviews are fucking insane half the time but like it's just strange to me that a band of this caliber, like normally those legacy publications will look at a band with like a high caliber, like a high standing within the music industry and, and kind of let that guide their review, right? Like give legacy acts or, or famous big following acts, higher album ratings than they probably deserve. So it was interesting to see them give this such a low, both of them a relatively low rating, but you know, I thought it was interesting. Anthony, what'd you, uh, what do you rate it out of 10? So, Again, back when I was on the last
0: podcast, uh, I told you I was only doing one thing, and I was only going to bring you tens. So I can't give this (laughs) anything other than a 10 out of 10. Uh, Fuck yeah.
1: All right, right. that's fair,
2: Christian. (laughs) I'm going eight and a half on this. I, I love this album when I look at it as far as like, I have to take it into consideration with my others. So if I go anything above eight and a half, it's not gonna feel fair to the other albums I love by them. <laughs> so I'm sticking with eight and a half final answer.
1: Very fair. Nice, nice. Um I gotta give it a nine, man. I like Fuck the yeah. only the only parts I don't like about it are the interludes and they're so short that it's not really that big of a deal. Like I think the context that you provided Anthony for chocolate chip trip, like kind of opens a, a new door. I need to go back and listen to it after you said that. Cause like using it as a showcase is a really good thing to do, especially for someone who's as talented as he is. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's fucking phenomenal and I know I, I'm like a broken record. I'm sure the people that regularly listen to the podcast have heard me say this a thousand times about a thousand different bands, but like, This is just my type of music, man. I just love shit like this. I love heavy shit. You know, I have a playlist on Spotify called Heavy Shit. And it's just Nirvana, Metallica, Tool, Lip Biscuit. Like, it's just shit I can get fucking violent to. And that's, That's, that's what I like. It's
0: crazy that you say that specifically because I've had a playlist on my iTunes since we were in college called Heavy Shit and uh, it's constantly evolving but like that was one thing that i was hoping for because knowing you and knowing the type of music that you get down to like this is a physical release you know like this is like therapy for a lot of people and like i feel that every time i listen to this album because it is so physical and that's why like i I go to shows like when i would go to bass actor shows or like tipper shows and these very like physically demanding shows that you're going to release a lot of whatever you have going on and it becomes its own therapy. And this is an album that like I can put on or I can play new or I can play descending and go on that 13 minute journey. And like afterwards I can take a deep breath and be like, Ooh, that yeah. was something, <laughs> it was an that experience. was something, you know, exactly. And then you put the whole album together and that's, you get that over an hour and a half too, which is, wild especially at night walking your dog stung getting chased (laughs) by dogs that aren't there
1: so yeah Yeah, you know it's funny you said because i listened to um the color storm mixtape the other day at the gym and you know nectar has his in bloom remix on there and the first time i ever saw bass nectar it's 2011 and he played his in bloom remix and that was the moment that i realized like this is something that is for me because i was uh, i'm still such a huge nirvana fan but at that point like nobody had tapped into what nirvana had tapped into for me and to hear bass nectar play a nirvana remix i was like this dude is this is exactly the type of music that i need to listen to for the, the same reason you just explained like right it's just a, a heavy outer body experience and it's, yeah. it's just nice to have music like that you know mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that was Fear Inoculum. You guys got any final thoughts before we move to Rides or Dies? Christian?
2: If if you like this, just do us a favor and fucking <laughs> dive in. Go back through lateralis. Go back through undertow. If shit like this blows your mind like you are not ready. Yeah.
1: Very fair. Yeah. All right, so Rides or Dies. Anthony, you want to intro your track for us?
0: okay so my rides or dies actually came out last week or the day that I sent it to you guys was when it came out and the only reason I made it my ride or dies is because I was in the middle of about to text it to Christian and then I'm like like just to say listen to this shit and then I'm like well fuck it this is that so um, the track is called So What and it's by a guy he's a producer his his, uh, stage name I guess is East Forest and it's It's a long track, so don't get intimidated by the length of time because it it really is a track that's based around a narrative or a a monologue, I guess you could say, or a ramble of Duncan Trussell from the Duncan Trussell Family Hour podcast. And he is such an interesting human, and hearing the way his brain works in real time, the way he's kind of elaborating on thoughts and and ideas is so interesting. And to hear it mashed up with music in this kind of way it's very complimentary and um, and also hilarious. you know. So that was something that I wanted to uh, put out there in the world for people to listen to, and it's part of a new album that just came out um, last week, again, by East Forest.
1: Nice. Christian, what were your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, this I, I love Duncan
2: Tr- I was not prepared for this at all, by the way. I was not expecting <laughs> <introductible laughs> it to be but what yeah. the fuck it was, which made it all the better. Like, this rides, and I need to go. I didn't have time, but I'm going to go into the entire album but I I love him and his like active thought process through things and through things about life and how he kind of like sees the world and it just makes me happy you know he's one of those guys that like if you're having a bad day if you're going through some stuff or whatever it may be as far as like changing your perspective on what it may be that you're going through that dude is the fucking one so this is a ride for me
0: very fuck yeah. nice fuck
1: yeah yeah i um, i gotta agree hard rides i mean we i i, I knew that we all love duncan trussell like his his stream of consciousness like it's it's funny to to listen to him talk cause sometimes on the duncan trussell family hour like it's just him like there's no one else on there and he's just for an hour like just <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. saying whatever the fuck is in his head and sometimes like it's goofy and ridiculous, and there are some times where, like, it's amazingly profound, and, like, I think it's an accident that he's doing it. It's just thoughts in his head, and it's funny. Like, I, it was interesting hearing this. Like, I, I do have to say... When I, when Anthony sends a rides or dies, this is exactly what I expect him to send. <laughs> Something yeah, like this. This is so Anthony to send that I like, I kind of chuckled to myself in the car when I heard Duncan start talking. I was like, of course Anthony fucking found this. <laughs> but um it is like he just, like Christian said, like Duncan has a way to make you happy, he has a way to make you really sad and kind of contemplate like the, the, fickleness of your life in sometimes a really happy way and sometimes a really sad way like his um, his bit on this is not happening those youtube videos that they have where it's like a brief uh-huh. stand-up thing or whatever he tells a story about going to a dead concert like in the 90s to find <laughs> acid and the whole thing is just hilarious but the end the end point of it is like that he coughs up a string that he has in his throat because he thinks he's dying and he, he basically says like no matter what's going on in your life, like it's just a string in your throat. It's going to be okay. And like, it's funny when he delivers it and it's supposed to be a joke. But then after you listen to it, you're like, holy shit. Like he's kind of right. Like it makes you feel better about shit going on in your life. So I, yeah, hard, hard rides for me. Something
0: that uh, I'll put on y'all's radar or anyone listening's radar that has any interest in Duncan Trussell. There's a series on Netflix called the midnight gospel, and so good it's amazing it's amazing so and i wish they would do more hopefully but um just a brief idea of what it is it's it's animation based around excerpts from his podcast so similar to that track um you're getting like 22 minute episodes on certain ideas and it's so thought-provoking and so beautifully done and extremely trippy but uh, i love that show i wish they would do more so bad yeah
1: yeah for sure so. um christian what's yours
0: Mine is uh, it's a song
2: called A Little Bit Further by this UK producer called Tourist, and it, it's this light, just extremely eth- ethereal. The very back end of this song, it really reminded me of that, I think it's pronounced Halkeon or Halkeon, that on and on song yeah. that was so popular back in the day that has this just, uh, it, it's super light and beautiful and I liked the beginning of it, but there's something about the back half of it that you kind of just feel the weight, you know, lift from your shoulders. And so, yeah, that's that's my Rides or Dies this week.
1: Anthony, yeah. Yeah, thoughts?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. This song rode for me. It rode. Uh, but it, it rode. actually lifted me. You know, and that was the thing. Yeah. Like uplifting and light and, like, just very – especially after – listening to tool, I went right into <laughs> to what you guys had sent me and I was like, Oh, this is like exactly what I needed in this moment. A and nice sometimes change up. that's the thing. It's like context for listening to music for me is such, oh. so important. And Christian knows this, like, and I, and Blake, you too. Like when I would send y'all music, sometimes I'll say, listen to it in this way, you know, turn yeah. the lights off or, 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 go outside or wait for the sunset or be driving. And like for this one, just, you know, just, just taking a moment and just soaking it in really did it for me. So I enjoyed it, appreciate it. Fuck yeah. Um,
1: Christian, Wait, Christian, I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, rare miss for me and you. Oh, rare miss wow, for me wow. and I, you. I
2: thought it. I thought it might be. I thought this, it might be. I have accepted is, that when I said it.
1: <laughs> this does not happen to me and Christian often. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If you go back and listen to the past four or five episodes, we've just been jerking each other off gassing each other up every rise or dies and Uh i don't know like i didn't know what this song was i still don't know what it is like at the beginning it's like it's like i it's it's instrumentals like it sounds like a band and then it gets like kind of electronic house thing going on at the end and like it's kind of all mm-hmm. over the place and i was kind of just like I, I don't know my mind's all <laughs> over the place it was throwing me off so Whatever, i bitch. i gotta say it's i gotta, gotta say dies said. it scared me <laughs> i got so okay. i gotta say dies but you know what christian i feel like like one for five or six that's yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. fair yeah. assumption so yeah fair. yeah all right i'll take um, it I chose Nobody Speak by DJ Shadow featuring Run the Jewels. So Run the Jewels is a rap duo, LP and Killer Mike. Um, mm. I will say this. There's, Run the Jewels is very hit or miss for me. I'm not like a diehard Run the Jewels guy. There are some songs I really like. There are some songs I can't stand that I think are really corny. They collab with um, Zach De La Roche. A lot of, they've done multiple songs with them. Their whole vibe, I told Christian this, is like, their whole vibe is just fucking anarchy and hating, like, politicians, the the wealthy. Like, there's a line in one of their songs where they're talking about revolution, and they're like, even if some good ones die, fuck it, the Lord will sort them. And, like, I just love that attitude. Like, hey, this is a revolution. Like, some people are going to die, and that's we're willing to take that risk, you know? And, like, there's a line in this song where he says, LP says... Um, flame your crew quicker than trump fucks his youngins like they just they're they're very anti-establishment anti-everything and sometimes i need that in my life i need that type of energy um so that's why i picked it i was i was rinsing it a lot these uh these past few days so anthony what'd you think uh i fucking love this song
0: i had i don't know I probably had heard the full song before, but I've heard samples and I've heard this song used in so much different contexts. I think I, I had to look it up. Cause I'm like, where have I heard this song? And then turns out I've heard this song, a lot of fucking places. Like it's been used in a lot of movie trailers. It's been used in films. It's been sampled a lot. Pretty lights, or Chris Carnes, I think sampled it on tour right now with pretty lights. And um, yeah. So just another way to take it in, like taking the original form, uh, plus i love fucking killer mike and i love dj shadow so you put those two together and you get this and it rides for me
1: hell yeah nice christian thoughts you're kind of grinning like i already know what you're gonna say but go <laughs> ahead I,
0: we're, we're on the same page this
2: week because this is a dodge for me wow. Wow. Oh
1: no dude surprise, i knew surprise. it was coming
2: and Look, it's just, I think it, it's because kind of what Anthony was saying. Like, he's heard it in all these, I've heard it in so many contexts of these, like, kind of slapstick, yeah. like, uh, you know, comedy trailers. These like you know fucking new Gen Z comedies that always have picture this um, and I'm like okay here we fucking go again. <laughs>
1: there you go, it's like, like a movie with The Rock and Kevin Hart. Like that's the yeah. trailer. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. the scene when the uh like quirky person tries to be gangster. This song. Yeah, again, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, hey,
2: that's exactly it. And that's why I hate this fucking song. So.
1: I admit whatever christian no uh, christian was gonna give it a ride until i shoot. gave it some dies, and he had to fucking like come up with something pivot. real quick he's yeah. <laughs> like no no no, actually <laughs> this song sucks <laughs> <laughs> oh god okay whatever. so that was rides or dies um all right so we got we got some movies to talk about let's okay we can get the killer stuff out of the way as long as you guys don't do any spoilers yeah. because I haven't seen it. I don't have a Netflix account right now because they're mm-hmm. past sharing bullshit. Uh, I will say, I went on a David Fincher kick. I watched um, Social Network, Into Fight Club, um, Into Gone Girl this past week. I, David Fincher is my favorite director. I love him. I will never get tired of watching his movies. So. If you guys have seen it, tell me what you think about it. Um, But I I think, Anthony, you had some thoughts on on The killer as
0: well. So I watched this last night and on loudspeakers and in the dark, and that's exactly what I texted Trey. I said, watch this movie in the dark as loud as you can and (laughs) soak it in because it is raw. It is Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross delivering a crazy score. Um, Yeah, I'd love to talk to you after you watch it. I don't want to overhype it, but, dude, this is fucking – crushed i mean i have i wrote a i have a little binder of movie reviews that i write after and it's basically just stream of consciousness afterwards but um i wrote in all caps delivered and experience and nice. that's kind of uh I'll, I'll save the rest for afterwards but there's some interesting synchronicities too with this and pretty lights tour so i want to leave that with you and then like i said we'll recap at, at some other point but there's some interesting um synchronicities with that nice yeah i'm with you i won't give a ton or
2: any spoilers but it's beautifully shot um Mm -hmm. the how the story is delivered at times is so slow but with so much impact in the best way and the fucking score the soundtrack i will just say they got some smiths coming in at fucking perfect timing and you're just like this is what I needed right here. It's fucking sick. So I think you're going to dig it, but I'm starting to see what you think.
1: I do have to say, I have to, I have to do a little dick riding real quick. I just have to say David Fincher, man, that guy, the way all of, all of the films from him that I love so much, like just the pacing, the dialogue, the way that he, he works the cameras, like, the Social Network, honestly, and this is partially in part because of Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin wrote the screenplay for The Social Network, and he's just a master of dialogue. Like there, there's there's dialogue moments in The Social Network. There's dialogue moments in the Steve Jobs movie he did, where it feels like you're watching. I don't know how else to explain it, but it feels like you're watching like a war movie. Like you're you're that pent up, like you're you're kind of anxious and like tense. on the edge of your seat with your emotions. And it's it's just dialogue. It's just two people talking. And David Fincher, I think, I mean, Fight Club is a huge portion of Fight Club is yeah. is just dialogue between different characters. And I think that plays to his strengths so well in all of his movies. Gone Girls the same way. And I just um. I never get tired of. Of watching and the girl with the dragon tattoo is one of my favorite yeah. movies of all time, and it's it's very similar to that. And I've been <laughs> some people at work. Anthony, are you on Letterbox? Do you know what Letterbox yeah. is yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I got on Letterbox and a bunch of my a bunch of people I work with are on Letterbox, and we've just been shooting the shit about movies. And there's a bunch of people there that haven't watched like any Fincher, and I don't know how uh, to contain myself. I'm like, you gotta watch this. 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 I'm bringing people hard copies because I have Blu-rays of like yeah, all of them, this, yeah. so I'm bringing them hard copies and shit. But. Um, yeah, I'm excited to watch The Killer for sure.
0: It's, yeah, it's and like it's, you, you mentioned, you mentioned dialogue and there, well, like all of his movies, Memento is very like narrative of this person and what they're experiencing. And um, Seven, you're in their heads, yep, right? Yep. So, like, there's so much to say about the the vibe that they set, mm-hmm. that they create, that you're in their shoes. And uh, yeah, The Killer, there's a mantra aspect to it that you will vibe, you will resonate with them. Hundred percent on that.
1: Nice. So um, we said that we were gonna watch Inglorious Bastards. Did you guys rewatch Inglorious Bastards?
2: Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Okay. So
1: <laughs> you got you guys, tell me your thoughts, Anthony. What do you, what do you think of it upon rewatch or Tarantino as a whole? Yeah. What do you think?
0: Oh well, this. How much time we have? No. Uh, well, So like, I'll say my, like my relationship with Inglorious Bastards, I want to say, and I, I'm not hundred percent, but I want to say it might've been the first Tarantino movie that I saw in the theaters before. And oh, fuck, yeah. the first time I saw it, I remember being like, whoa, like what is, I'm trying to figure out what the director's even trying to tell me. Right. Cause I, I when I, before I went and saw it, I would hear it's about, you know, what would happen if you know hitler was killed or whatever and all this stuff so i'm like oh that's a weird angle to take but then you know you realize this is tarantino and this is his world that we're in and uh, but that movie has one of the most tense opening scenes in a lot of oh films. oh my and, like, god dude. I, and like i thought that to myself and then now like i can i like googled some reviews on it and like people are agreeing with that. So I'm like, all right, this is, yeah, this is even more impactful than I had imagined. But no, I love this movie. It's so raw. It's comedic. It's hilarious. There's a, something that I personally experienced in a movie theater, which was the, uh, the film role in the projector. This is at a dollar. Oh. Theater. So I've, we've had Christian and I've had so many experiences in a dollar theater. You wouldn't even <laughs> believe were true, but like <laughs> one time in a dollar theater, me and some people were watching a film. I don't even remember what movie that one was. But um, all of a sudden on the screen, it starts bubbling and boiling up like on a huge 10 foot uh, or 10 story uh, screen. And we're like, what the fuck is happening? We look back and there's like lights coming from the projector room and then all the house lights come up. And they're like, we have to stop the screening because the film roll caught on fire in there. And (laughs) um, rewatching *Glorious Bastards like brought me back to that. And I was like, wow, this is just it keeps delivering even, you know. However many years after the fact. So Yeah. I fucking love it. Christian? Yeah,
2: I mean the opening scene is just mm-hmm. if that is it, it there's no words. He were and right. then sprinting off through the field and he's like, Oh wow, she'll shut up And you're like, What the fuck, bro? You're like, he's gonna find your ass or you're gonna find yeah. him. I don't know what's gonna happen, but it's but even his little um his little kind of speech back and forth about the squirrel and the rat and the difference. I was like, what the fuck is... Go-? I was like, this shit is... Ab-. And just the cast yeah, is... Ab- you go back and you look at the cast of that movie and you're like, holy fucking hell. And only Quentin Tarantino could fucking probably pull something off yeah. like that with that many people and make it work so well. But it's also yeah. just like, the way that he pulls in those scenes that are so tense, that are like fucking jerking you like that to his just like almost crying laughter and you've got the fucking redneck who's attempting to be Italian.
0: <laughs> so
1: so Dominic
2: gangster shit of the fucking bear Jew fucking knocking <laughs> on the cave as he's walking. Just all these things you're like you couldn't possibly fit this. If I told you, you know, like read them out like I am now you're like you couldn't put this in a movie and it worked and it mm-hmm. fucking works. It's just so good.
1: Yeah. I, I think like the, the, it's funny you bring up like the revisionist history, Anthony, cause he did the same thing with once upon a time in Hollywood. Right. Like he, exactly. it's, it's like his version of the events or whatever. And once upon a time in Hollywood, I didn't know anything about it going into it. I had heard it was about the, the tape Mansons. murders huh. and yeah, the Mansons and like it, it is, but it's also not like right. kind of at all at the same time. It's weird, but And Glorious, I have to say, did you guys see Uncut Gems, the Safdie Brothers movie? Oh, hell yeah. So the Safdie Brothers do this thing, and they do it particularly in Uncut Gems, where they try to create these moments of anxiety, but they don't feel, to me, they don't feel earned, like, with the plot. Like, it feels like there are things that they are creating for for no reason, essentially. Like, the, the one scene that sticks out to me in Uncut Gems is, like, you get an hour and a half into the movie and things are like really anxious or whatever. And then they come to bring him back the rock and they get stuck in the door and they can't right. open the door. And it goes on for like five minutes. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, like, I feel like they, they create these, like they try to create these moments of anxiety, but they're kind of like, to me, it feels like lazy writing because they don't feel earned. And when I watched Inglorious Bastards, it reminded me of like, this is how anxiety is supposed to feel in a movie. Like that intro scene is so, you're so anxious. Like it almost like, it, it almost kind of makes me sick almost. Like, yeah. <laughs> like with, with that scene and when like Midsummer, Midsummer is a prime Sucks, example of yeah. like that, this Yuck. visceral anxiety that like makes you feel like sick almost. And Quentin Tarantino in a bunch of his movies and once upon a time in hollywood when brad pitt goes to the ranch like that's a that's a perfect example of like that type of anxiety and he just writes it and directs it so well but like you guys said there's also moments that are just fucking hilarious dude and also like who doesn't love him i mean i'm sure republicans don't but who doesn't love a movie about killing nazis like that's like the best type of movie like i i i (laughs) want (laughs) i want more movies about killing nazis and so i just think like the way that he when he beat the
2: fuck out of him, and he's like <laughs> describing it is he's like hitting it. He's like, he <sighs> knocks it out of the fucking
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> it's
2: no, crazy. Go so that
0: guy, that the bear Jew, is Eli Roth, played by Eli yeah, Roth. So yeah, Eli yeah. Roth is a director of some crazy ass movies too, Hostel and a few others. But like, it's amazing yeah. how he can tie in people like that. <laughs> and Samuel yeah. Jackson, I forget, is narrating the movie you know yeah. like yeah. there's just so many like little glimpses where you're like god damn quentin like you just can't help yourself yeah. you know and it's, it's so that, perfect yeah. so like it's, that quentin it's mm-hmm. like quentin power it it's like quentin power
1: man like he's just he has that like lore to him almost where people just want to be in his movies you know and i think yeah. like and glorious bastards is just it's a fun movie and <sighs> there there's some beautiful shots in it too which i think it's gets, gets kind of left by the wayside like there's a lot of just beautifully framed moments and like that I know we keep going back to the opening scene, but Quentin doesn't use a lot of like cuts right throughout his movies. It's all like drawn out, like kind of one one frame shots. Right. Or like he'll move the camera, but he's not cutting the camera a lot in that intro scene. Like there's not a lot of cuts. It's like it'll focus on christopher waltz is, is that his name right yeah the yeah it'll it mm-hmm. yeah it'll just be on him for like six minutes and it doesn't move and it kind of just it builds like you feel like you're like part of a real conversation and mm-hmm. you know i i think quentin is is kind of hit or miss there are sometimes where people dick ride quentin a little too hard and i'm like all right like i get it pulp fiction is is you had a poster of it in college i understand but they are times where he really just shows like his genius. And I think *Inglorious Bastards is like a perfect example of that. So yeah. 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 But I I want to
0: say this Um, in defense of the Safdie brothers. Okay. Because, uh, well, let me ask uh, you, have you seen, um, well, I mean, you mentioned tension in film and there's their movie prior to uncut Jim's good time. Have you seen good time
1: with Robert Pattinson? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, but it's like a similar vibe, right? it's it's like a similar vibe right
0: uh, there's some crazy moments in that film where i literally out loud was like oh fuck like god (laughs) like it 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 is what what i think their method of filmmaking at least for those two films is like when you think something can go wrong it can go worse you know and it's like oh shit you want to see it like it's it's things you wouldn't see in everyday life but like they're going to show it to you they're going to set the scene they're gonna put people locked in a box when there's a guy right there on the other side of it who they can't do shit about uh yeah and then see and what I happens
1: mean, but and like and there's an argument to be made that with uncut gems like that is probably what a gambler's life is like right right, right. like just yeah. these peaks and valleys which is yeah. kind of what that is but right. like they're just like the scene with Lakeith Stanfield when they go to Philly and then Lakeith Stanfield just like fucks off to the locker room and leaves like there's no <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. no explanation to why he's doing that or right. like and I, I think like maybe he's leaving that out to like intentionally create more anxiety because you're like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? Yeah. Like right. yeah, <laughs> why yeah. is this happening? But yeah. at the same time, sometimes to me it's like, uh, you didn't have a reason, you just wanted to make things worse. Like that's kind of what it comes across as to yeah.
0: me but like I think it would now nowadays like when we look at directors like Quentin Quentin R- Martin Scorsese these guys are in their own class even venture but uh and Nolan right but Safi Brothers coming up they're kind of creating their own lane uh Ari Aster you mentioned *Midsummer*, like that is he's creating a lane uh yeah and it becomes this kind of thematic fever dream in their films but uh, I think everything's intentional whether it hits or not is definitely debatable but like Nowadays, these guys are taking so much detail into account that uh, it's a when it does hit, it's a it's something to Glory. take in. Yeah. yeah,
1: Christian, have you seen Midsummer? Oh yeah.
2: Multiple times.
1: I can't. Well, I can't rewatch that movie. Mm, I refuse to rewatch uh, it. It's it, one of my favorites. It, it made me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I just rewatch. I just rewatch
2: uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose for Halloween. That's probably like the only one that's actually fucked me up for like weeks. Not being able to sleep in midsummer, <laughs> along with hereditary are probably in my top ten. I mean, Dude. just phenomenally beautiful, amazing movies.
0: Both of y'all. Blake I sent you a long list of movies to watch and to hear yeah. you say you saw Scream I was like alright Scream is good or it's it's own thing but uh, Bo is Afraid is insane and yeah, don't it's let like, the you run told, time, like let three, the, hours, even, three and a like, half hours fuck it just take off work for it <laughs> but, uh <laughs> But you watch that one, Christian. When you watch that one, I'm gonna expect a phone call afterwards. Yeah, I'll um, watch it. i watch like, it this weekend. <laughs> what I'll the put fuck? that on the books. But I uh, do
1: like him a lot. Like I do think it speaks to his ability that like I can't physically rewatch Midsummer. Like it it, it yeah. upset me so much psychologically <laughs> that I refuse really yeah. to rewatch it. So that's pretty like that's pretty telling. <laughs> right. And um, so yeah, I mean, there's and like you said, there's I don't I don't dislike the Safety brothers I, I enjoyed uncut gems like and i think kevin garnett and uncut gems is phenomenal right, like i think right. he's hilarious yeah and it works so well but like i don't know i'm just nitpicking to fucking nitpick just, just be a bitch you know whatever <laughs> i get it <laughs> um i think all it's right.
2: safe to say we're gonna continue to do movies on, on the each episode yeah, I think it's good this idea. is this is fucking great
1: yeah <laughs> honestly i love and i don't have a lot of people to talk movies with so it's it's been nice to to hash it out for sure but um fuck anything up. else you guys want to you guys want to mention before we get off we're at an hour and six man It's our longest episode in a nah, fucking
0: minute that fuck yeah. <laughs> nah, was okay fuck yeah. that was fucking fun great pick anthony always a pleasure yeah yeah no, I, I i love listening you know i listen to all of them so uh keep keep doing them remember try to do them weekly but if you can't do them weekly yeah. do them when you can uh we're, yeah. we're gonna keep listening and uh, i'm stoked to uh to see what you guys keep coming up with so appreciate y'all let me Come and crash the party. Of Always, course. And brother. Anthony,
1: the next the next time that Christian texts me an hour before we're supposed to record and is like, oh, I gotta go milk my cow, then I'll text you and uh <laughs> we can just do a movie episode. We'll just do oh, total biased yeah. movies and just, Fuck yeah. just fucking chop it up hundred percent. Yeah. I'm game. Always game. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks everybody listening. Anthony, thanks again, Christian. See ya. <laughs> he's out. Love you. Man. <laughs> yeah, he's out. Love you too, man. See ya. <laughs> see ya.